0: Yeah, this takes an incredible amount of self-fortitude because you are going to be bombarded with people that are showing the best of what's going on in their life. And that could be through social media. It could be through new houses, new cars, new objects. And just like Leo said, we've done this for a long time. I am blown away by the high percentage of time that I see somebody that looks like they're doing great financially and then you get into the details and you see what's really going on, I just wanna encourage you, if you look at somebody and you begin to try to you know, base your life on their life, it's probably not gonna work out because a very high percentage of the time their life already isn't working out. Welcome to episode 34 of Getting Money Right and in this episode we're talking about varying perspectives on money. We're talking about happiness and the ways that we view the world but then the general consensus of how does everyone view the world? What What perspective do you have when it comes to finances and money? And I reference this as episode 34 because we have, you know, over 34 weeks of going into this program and sharing some really specific thoughts and actions and ways to handle money. And now we want to talk a little bit about the perspective and the purpose behind Getting Money Right. And the purpose uh, comes from our tagline. So I'm just going to read it to you. Getting Money Right is a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration, so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. So the goal here is that you'd be able to achieve and pursue your true life's purpose. The financial side, the financial freedom, that comes through education and inspiration, but it's on the way to fulfilling your purpose. So we're going to talk about purpose. We're going to talk about the way that you view the world a little bit and the way that money impacts that. Yeah.
1: Well, this is our 38th episode, and we've done a number of shows about the basics of money and really focused on the details of what that looks like, but this is going to be a slightly different show. Because if you've listened to us for a while, I hope that you've been able to discern that at the core of what we teach or try to impart to you, our audience, is our desire that you would live a richer and more fulfilled life. And to us, the way David and I define that, is really living your true life's purpose. We believe that we are all gifted in different ways. I have certain gifts and abilities. I've also added skills and experiences over the years, and I'm driven by certain things that I believe, things that have been inside of me since I was a kid. These values that I have, these deep beliefs, are what drive me. They are part of me as I manage money and with every decision that I make. They guide me when to spend and what to spend on because they are part of what motivates me to pursue what I want out of life. Now, this is not unique to me or to me and David only. It's the same for all of us. We're all driven by something. And if we take the time to purposely identify what it is for us, it can be tremendously beneficial. And I believe most of us have already done this. It usually happens when we're having a difficult situation to deal with. It is in these situations that we search the deeper part of ourselves and question whether we're living up to all that we're supposed to do. It's during times like these that we ask questions like, what am I really meant to do? What is my purpose? And am I really living it? The reason we started getting money right was because David and I have been on unique journeys, similar in many ways where we looked at money and how money can make us happy or fulfilled and help us to fulfill the greater purpose that we feel called to do. Unfortunately for me, that journey started with me making money the focus, which actually took me away from my purpose because I made a bunch of mistakes and relied on money, and I realized that things weren't right. Fortunately, I was able to course correct, better understand my gifting, better understand my purpose, and get on that path to fulfill that purpose, allowing money to become the very thing that now helps me to fulfill my purpose to a greater degree. So we want to talk about this journey and what it looks like to help you, our audience, to encourage you, because if you're not pursuing your purpose, you need to begin to do so and to understand how money touches that because money can either increase your ability to live out your real purpose or actually it can hurt it. It can get in the way of it.
0: Yeah, I think starting at the beginning of my journey, it was a search for more money, for increase, for utilizing wealth and finances to find some things in myself. I wanted to use money to find security. I wanted to use money to find significance. I wanted to use money to feel like I had achieved something. And so this idea of me going out, working really hard, getting a lot of money. That's where I was going to get my significance, my importance, my identity, my security. And it turns out that it's actually almost completely opposite. Money is a tool, but starting with your purpose and discovering who you are and what's unique about you and and why you're on this earth That is then going to allow you to utilize money appropriately for your true purpose and destination. Initially, I started out with fear and worry and anxiety, and I was chasing money to fulfill that. But over time, I came to a maturity and a different realization that money is not there to fulfill those things for me, but it is there as a tool. And I do need to learn how to manage it well. I do need to take control of it. I don't want to let it run my life. But we're going to look at some of the neat things about um, setting that lifestyle that allows you to fulfill that purpose.
1: There's a book that I've read over the last few months, and it's quickly become one of my favorites. It's written by Gary Kelly and Jay Papasan. Gary is the guy who started Kelly Williams. The title of the book is The One Thing. I want to read just a quick paragraph in this book uh, that I think is going to go deeper and help you understand what we're talking about here today. Gary says this, happiness happens on the way to fulfillment, Dr. Martin Selgeman past president of the American Psychological Association believes there are five factors that contribute to our happiness. Positive emotion and pleasure, achievement, relationships, engagement, and meaning. Of these five, he believes engagement and meaning are the most important. Becoming more engaged in what you do by finding ways to make your life more meaningful is the surest way to finding lasting happiness. When our daily actions will fill a bigger purpose, the most powerful and enduring happiness can occur. I think most of us would agree that happiness is something that we all strive for. It's something that I think is hard to achieve if you don't have the right definition for it. But we need to realize that the pursuit of happiness is what drives us. Think about it from a child's perspective. Children are consistently trying to be happy. Their lives are all about pursuing more happiness and joy. As adults, we fool ourselves to think that life is more than that, but we really never grow out of that we are pursuing happiness all the time. And there was a study that was done years ago by Princeton University talking about how money impacts happiness. They tried to figure out how much money does it take in the United States to make someone happy. They looked at increased income levels to determine their effect on happiness and found that happiness increased as income increased. And that makes sense, right? The more money you make, it's reasonable to assume that the more happy you can be. However, the study showed that an increase in happiness stopped when it hit $75,000. Once the income got to that point, happiness stopped increasing, meaning it plateaued. And it makes sense when you think about it. For a family, 75000 at least in America, is able to provide the kind of lifestyle that fulfills their basic needs, even gives them a little bit of margin so that they are able to provide for some of the things that they want. This makes us feel like life is manageable, that we have some control and a level of security, something we all want and something that affects our happiness. It's an interesting study, David, because it talks about how once they got to 75000 no matter how much that income increased... Beyond 75,000, there was no measurable increase in happiness. So to me, when I read this study, it really kind of clarifies for me what I had strived for for so many years, which was making more money. But I wasn't happier making more money. I was actually happier when I made less because the more money I had when I didn't know how to manage it well, the heavier the burden I was carrying. I bought more stuff and carried more debt, which made it more difficult to provide for the basic needs, and it caused me and my family to experience the opposite of happiness. It was stressful and emotionally and physically draining. So it's interesting because it's not a matter of how much money you make, it's how you manage your money, and that's what we talk about so much on this show.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. So this study was done back in 2010, and it was uh, economist Angus Deaton and psychologist Daniel Kahneman and they analyzed over 450,000 people. Mm-hmm. So in 2008, 2009, and they finally published in 2010. And it's incredible to me that that, that I'm mean, kind of that magic number of 75,000 across the United States. You know, when you begin to go above that income-wise, there is no direct correlation between a little bit more money and a little bit more happiness. Mm-hmm. Now, prior to that number, you know, you're going to feel a little bit of pain the less money you have. So if you're right at the poverty line, and you have a hard time affording healthcare, or a hard time affording basic food, then when you add another 10,000, then you feel happier because you can cover that basic food. And then you add another 10,000 on top of that, and you can get some really safe, basic housing. And you add another 10,000 on top of that, and you can get some good, reliable transportation. So there is, there is a difference when you go from $20,000 a year to $75,000 a year at every, every 10% 10% difference every every $10,000 increase, give or take. There's a change, but over 75000 And 75000 it's interesting if you look at that across the United States. Of course, in some states, uh, money is going to go a little bit further. And in some states, it's not going to go as far because of different tax rates and uh, different just costs of the economy. Yeah. The housing may be expensive. And so. So you know the the benchmark uh, is seventy five thousand, but for example, in the state of Texas where we live, it's really only sixty nine thousand, uh, maybe seventy thousand that you really need to earn in order to meet this meet this optimum happiness level. Now that doesn't mean that that you shouldn't earn more. Uh, absolutely, there's no problem with earning more. But if you live in America and you earn seventy five thousand, which is I'm not going to say it's easy. I mean that would be. Uh, An individual earning about $36 an hour Mm -hmm. or two individuals maybe earning 20 bucks an hour and they're bringing in $80,000 a year. But um, I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying that if you've strived and strived and then you get to that number – all of a sudden the money's not no longer a major contributing factor to your happiness. Now now it's time to look at what are your relationships? How are you doing personally? What's your self identity? You know, are you moving towards a purpose and I would call it a calling, you know, there's something on your life that matters that's been put inside of you and you you said this is not unique to any of us. Like we are all wired this way. We all have a purpose. We all need self actualization but the actual purpose itself is extremely unique mm-hmm. well, you know what we're created for is extremely unique because we have this certain set of skills and talents and unique abilities that are inside of us and life experiences there are things that are will have happened to you that never happened to me that drive something inside of you to serve somebody that I may never want to serve. But because you've experienced, because you've seen the pain, because you have walked in that person's shoes, now you want to serve in that area. And so so it comes from your experiences. It comes from the way that you're born. There are some innate things inside of you, Leo, and inside of me that are completely different and that are going to dictate the way we do things. And if we can discover what that purpose is and really find out our identity – then yeah the 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 financial side getting up to 75,000 is great but beyond that what am i going to do with that surplus and am i really going to add joy to my life if i go into surplus or am I going to allow that surplus? Like you said, if I start to go over 75000 and I only increase my lifestyle, I don't look for ways to be generous with my identity and with my purpose. And when I say generous, well, I'm not talking about dollars necessarily. Sure, I may give more dollars. And I, I do. Ashley and I give more dollars as we earn more income. But not just dollars. But now that I've hit this you know, 75000 mark with our family, something like that, now, okay, I don't have to strive for more income. What can I do when I get home at 5 p.m. that goes back to my core values? What are the unique things inside of me that really matter? Is it my relationship with my wife? Well, I can go home at 5 p.m., not overwork, not overstrive, not keep pushing, because one of my core values is to be with my wife and go on a date and build our relationship and have more intimacy. And so now I'm being driven by my core values. When you're at 20,000, it's time for you to push up to 50 and 60 and hopefully 75,000. But when you're at 75,000 and above, it's time for you to turn internally and say, okay, what's my purpose and what are my real core values? Yeah.
1: And whatever that number is, if it's more than 75,000 because you happen to live in an area where you need 90, well, maybe you live in New York, maybe you live in Hawaii, and it's going to take more dollars to fulfill the needs that your family has. The interesting part, and what we need to remember, is that more money will not provide a better and happier life. It provides what you need to make you feel in control. It provides what your family needs so that you will experience life, and you'll interpret that life is good. Yeah. You'll have a safe place to come home every day. Uh, Your relationship with your spouse and your children will be better. Right. Because let's face it, when things are tight, everything is impacted. I remember when things were tight, and the kids would ask for something. You know what my answer would be like? We can't afford that. Stop asking, right? Yeah. And I wasn't nice about it. I was stressed, and my response to my kids was, don't ask me for stuff I can't give you. I feel bad enough that we're in the mess we're in, and you're just adding stress to my life. I know many of us don't have to imagine that scenario. We lived it. When you have enough to provide for your family's needs and some wants, financial stress is gone, and you and your family are happier. Yeah. Everything feels right and good, but you have to realize that there's a limit to how much happiness that will bring you. Once you've met your family needs, I think the danger for us, especially in the United States, is that we can so easily go beyond that 75000 or whatever the income is for you, and now we can actually make financial decisions that will bring that financial stress back on us.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: We are no longer able to provide for basic needs because we now have two car payments and a house that's 35 to 40% of our income. Right. And all of a sudden we need 115% of our income just to get by. This is where happiness begins to decrease because again, we're not able to provide properly for our family. So there's a three step process that David and I would like to go through and share with you. Number one. Realizing what money is and what its purpose is in our life, and what external influences exist that can take us off track. Number two, setting a proper lifestyle. In other words, setting a lifestyle so money doesn't become something that works against us, but rather something that helps us to move forward in a positive way, to fulfill our purpose to a greater degree. And number three, how to live generously, how to recognize and I think many of us are in this boat, that we actually have a surplus. We just don't know we have a surplus. We have more than enough to provide for needs, but we have chosen a lifestyle that's probably a little bit beyond that $75,000 income. And because of that, it never seems to be enough. We're always trying to get overtime and extra income Mm -hmm. just to keep up instead of recognizing that we already have enough. As a matter of fact, if we kept our lifestyle and lived below our income, We'll actually realize that the surplus can actually fuel the very thing that we're called to do, and David, I think that's very exciting. When you get to the place when you realize that not only do you have enough, but you have a surplus to do more with.
0: Yes, and I think that you know there may be this kind of thought as we're talking about that seventy-five thousand dollar number that it's kind of like, well, how could I ever reach that number? Maybe I maybe I don't have the skills or the talent to get there today, but but the guidelines on our website will help you manage at a healthy level at any income. Mm-hmm. And so part of this as well is perspective. So that was an average across the United States. And that was something that uh, I think it's a valuable number to know. But you know, you can have somebody who's earning $40,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And their perspective is is that they're doing very poorly. And they're like, man, I can't, I'm just barely making it. I don't have $75,000. Know, things are really tough. You can have somebody who used to earn twenty, dollars Now they earn forty. And they feel like they're on top of the world. And because they learn to live at that 20 mark, 40,000 is unbelievable. They have so much margin. They feel so happy, so comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so just realize that, yes, we're going to reference a 75,000 number, but it doesn't necessarily dictate that you have to hit that number to be happy. It's just that that's where the happiness level kind of maxes out. Any other additional income beyond that, it's a lot less likely to move the needle in your life.
1: Let's clarify something. In the study, they show that past seventy-five thousand, there was no increase in happiness. However, there was an increase in happiness as that income grew, up to seventy-five. Correct. Correct. Right. So that means that if you're at twenty, you go to forty, you're going to have an increase in happiness. Yeah, absolutely. And forty to fifty, or whatever. Yeah. But wherever you are, and whatever level of income and lifestyle you have, you can still be happy. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that you're experiencing that right now. You may not be. But don't gauge your happiness on a dollar amount, because as the study proves, there's a limit to what money can do to increase your happiness. So it's not a dollar amount. The point is that once you've met your needs and have additional to improve the quality of your life, that's the extent of what money is able to do for you in terms of increasing your happiness.
0: Mm -hmm. So in these three steps, let's just kind of start here at the beginning. We're talking about our purpose, money, and this overall journey. And first, just realizing what money is and what its purpose is, that it is a tool, that it is nothing more than a tool. It's simply a way to allow you to get to your purpose But we are constantly bombarded with a culture that says money is the key, that says money is our safety and our provision, and money is our identity and our self-actualization. But that's not true. The culture will push that. The culture will teach you materialism and will say that things will bring happiness. Uh, There's another research study done where an economist studied people for 12 years, over six different types of studies that he did, and he found that the more things that were added to a person's life actually the less satisfaction with life they had. Mm. And part of the reason for that is the more stuff that you add to your orbit the more things you have to think about. Like now I've got to think about, okay, you know, is my car maintained? Is my home being maintained? Okay, do I got to clean that extra room? I got two extra bedrooms. I got to clean those. And now I got a boat and now I got to dock it. And if I dock the boat, then here you know, I've got some rent there. And yeah, I, I, mean, you know, I got insurance on this. And the more stuff you have, the more you grow your lifestyle, it can actually start to have an averse effect on your happiness. And so the culture is going to constantly push that things are going to bring happiness. And you'll see this in advertising everywhere you go. The point of advertising is actually to make you feel discontent with where you are today. So true. Because if you're discontent, then you'll think, I need that product to make me content. And so they do everything they can to make you unhappy with your current state, so you'll buy their product to find happiness. And And I understand this. I, I was actually a marketing major in college, and i took advertising courses uh, in a really great business school and i was i was so shocked when the professor told me this you know he didn't just tell me he told the class and he's saying you know part of marketing or part of advertising specifically is to make people feel unhappy with where they are so they'll move towards your product or towards the thing that you're advertising and that's what our culture is i mean billions and billions of dollars are spent and every day we have hundreds and probably thousands of messages and branding messages that go through our brain that we're not even intentionally looking for. You know, oh, there's a Coke billboard. Oh, there's a Facebook ad. Oh, there's, you know, just one thing after another. And we're constantly bombarded.
1: Yeah, I agree. And there's another side to this. It's not just advertising or the culture, uh, but realize that you have relationships. Uh, you have people in your life that are living potentially at different levels than you are. Maybe your friends make more money than you do. Maybe they just spend more freely than you do. You know, sometimes it's hard to tell if a person is wealthy or if they just took a lot more debt on. They're the only ones that really know that. We know the statistics because we, we do the research and this is the kind of what you and I do, David. Yeah. And we know a lot of people finance their homes, finance their cars, finance their furniture, finance just about everything. So just because you pull up next to a BMW, that's the latest model, it doesn't mean that that person is doing better than you are. Maybe they're driving a nicer car, but you don't know their financial situation. Maybe they've got more bills and more debt than you do. Yeah. So we tend to see the positive side of things. Oh, I wish I had a BMW, or I wish I was living in that neighborhood, or whatever. The reality is things often look better than they really are. However, it still can influence and impact us. It can still make us discontent. And the other issue we have to deal with is materialism. You know, David, I'm so grateful I live where I live and that I live at this time, uh, that there are resources and companies that are constantly making more products that are making my life better. But at the same time, it's kind of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, it makes my life more convenient in many ways. But as you said, the more stuff I have and add to my life, the more I have to manage. I mean, social media alone, think about it. Most of us are on two or three social media channels, and we're being impacted by all the messages we receive, mm-hmm. both from friends and what they share, and now increasingly the ads that we view. And when it comes to materialism, unless we have a way to protect ourselves from taking on too much, then what happens is we end up hurting ourselves in the long run, and our happiness and fulfillment begins to diminish, and now we may end up being that person who's forty or $50,000 in debt that can't pay all the bills, and we're struggling. Yeah, And it's the opposite of what we want to accomplish, but here we are. We have a bunch of stuff, but we also have bills to pay to try to maintain the lifestyle we've created.
0: Yeah, this takes an incredible amount of self-fortitude because you are going to be bombarded with people that are showing the best of what's going on in their life. And that could be through social media. It could be through new houses, new cars, new objects. And just like Leo said, we've done this for a long time. I am blown away. By the high percentage of time that I see somebody that looks like they're doing great financially, and then you get into the details and you see what's really going on, I just want to encourage you. If you look at somebody and you begin to try to you know, base your life on their life, it's probably not going to work out because a very high percentage of the time, their life already isn't working out. They're just still playing the game like it is, and they're showing a facade that it is, and, and, it, and it hurts my heart. Part of the reason for this show is so that people will take a step back and say, I don't need to find my identity in that stuff, but how can I find my identity in this purpose and in this calling and these unique things that I'm on this earth for and go go find fulfillment there, not try to find fulfillment in stuff because it won't fulfill you. It'll make you feel less, the further you go, the more you chase it, the more you try to acquire and accumulate and take and grasp. It's just going to hurt you. And so uh, I just want to encourage you, don't don't be fooled and be very strong when you see somebody, when you see a neighbor or a friend with something really nice. That's okay. Find contentment in that moment in where you are today and find gratitude for some of the things you already have.
1: Let me read again the sentence paragraph that I read from the book, The One Thing. The last sentence says, When our daily actions fulfill a bigger purpose, the most powerful and enduring happiness can occur. Unless the reason we do what we do, the reason we spend money and how we spend it, is to fulfill a bigger purpose, it will not result in true happiness. Money is a wonderful tool that can actually create a great amount of fulfillment and happiness in our life if we use it the right way. When we don't use it the right way, though, it becomes a real crutch, and it can actually diminish our happiness. All right. So the first step was realizing what money is. And we just talked about how we are influenced and how money influences us and what its purpose really is. Now let's talk about how we actually do that. How do we know what's the right amount for our family? And how do we determine what we need and how much we need?
0: Yeah. How do we set that proper lifestyle and define the needs versus the wants?
1: Right. And that's really what it's about. It's defining a proper lifestyle based on what you're earning right now, and then defining the needs you have. Because more than anything, what increases our happiness is when we're able to first provide for ourselves and our families adequately those things that are most important needs. It's food. It's shelter. It's clothing. It's transportation. It's the things that we need to live a good life. It's not the excess. It's the basics. And that's important to understand. Those are the things that impact our happiness. The other stuff can actually do the opposite. There's nothing wrong with having excess. It's when excess becomes the pursuit that we become committed to our higher lifestyle that we may not at some point be able to manage. So I have to define my needs first and also define what is a want or a desire. Because if what I buy is really just a want and not a need, then I'm agreeing that I can live without it. A want is a want. It's not a need. I can live without it if I have to. I need is different. It's something I can't live without, or it's something that if I am not able to have enough of will impact my health, my safety, and even my well-being.
0: Yeah. So another way that we can begin to define that proper lifestyle is to look at our core values and to look at the things that are truly important to us that we have begun to say, this is where I'm going to revolve my life around these things and set some core values. I mean, maybe a core value for you is love, Uh, and and an intimate relationship with your spouse. Maybe a core value is integrity, and I'm not going to take a job that pushes me outside of a place of integrity, or I'm not going to do work that causes me to bend my integrity in other areas. Uh, Maybe it's faith. Maybe having room in your daily life for your faith Mm -hmm. to be expressed, to operate, to volunteer, and to serve in that. Generosity is a core value of mine. I'm going to do something that allows me to be generous. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's a core value, that means I have to lower my personal lifestyle Mm -hmm. so that I have access, so that I have something more to give. And part of that is I have the energy to give. So I need to lower my lifestyle and all the the things I do during the day Mm -hmm. so that when it comes Monday night and time to record getting money right, and I can share and give my time and serve other people... With some thoughts and some philosophies and some teaching in this area. I'm gonna look for ways to be generous with my time, with my finances, with my energy, and I'm gonna choose a lifestyle that allows that. So, Ashley and I, when we first got married, we lived in a small one bedroom apartment so that we would have extra capacity to give. We could have afforded more easily, we could have bought newer cars, we could have moved into a home sooner, but we chose to take our lifestyle a step back based on our core values.
1: Yeah, that's so good. Your core values are the foundation for your life. And lifestyle is the expression of those core values. And that's where we're going to pick up next time in the next episode of Getting Money Right. We want to thank you for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or any Android app that you use so that it's easier for more people to find a benefit from our podcast. You can also share the podcast on your favorite social media platform. And while you're there, please find us, connect with us, ask us questions, let us know how we can serve you better. We'd love for you to be part of the personal finance conversation. You can find the show notes to this episode, more content and resources at leosebo.com. And we look forward to having you join us next time
0: so that together, we, we can keep getting money right.
1: comes to materialism unless we have a way to protect ourselves from taking on too much, then what happens is we end up hurting ourselves in the long run and our happiness and fulfillment begins to diminish and now we may end up being that person who's forty or fifty thousand dollars in debt that can't pay all the bills and we're struggling.